The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. It's time to face the music. It's your day in court with a people's lawyer, Bruce Hagan and attorney Ray Judice. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. You're listening to Extra 1063. And I always want to start the show with how do we get a hold of you guys in case we're in a situation and we need legal advice, Bruce? Yes, yeah, Bruce Hagan, H-A-G-E-N, Hagan-Law.com is the website. We handle all kinds of personal injury cases. Um, if I can't help you, I certainly know somebody who can usually, or maybe you're just someone who's beyond help. That happens occasionally too. We have to break that news to people. 404-522-7553. We're always available and uh, 24-7. In fact, I don't want to be deemed unpatriotic by some of our listeners, but um, I took a call on July 4th because somebody needed help right then and there, and it wasn't the sort of thing that could wait to the 5th or 6th. Yeah, no, so, I think that's so, actually being very patriotic, preserving the rights of Americans, right? Life, liberty, and the pursuit of new furniture for our lake house. You know, we have to do what we have to do. So <laughs> right. uh, whenever somebody needs help, we're there to, to help them with their personal injury case. There you go, Ray. Ray Judice, G-I-U, D's and David, I-C-E, been around 36 years in Metro Atlanta practicing law, Emory Law School graduate. Primarily, I'm a jury trial lawyer. Criminal cases are the thing that my cases that my office specializes in. And just like Bruce, I've spent a lot of Sunday mornings at the jail visiting clients, late Saturday nights with bonding companies, getting folks out of the pokey. Used to be nine to five bankers hours back in the eighties when I started practicing law. Now it's twenty four seven. And if you want to be competitive and if you want to service your clients, you got to be just like Bruce said. You have to be available. The cell phone, email is Ray at RayGLaw.com as well. Got a great website. If you need some more information, check it out. And uh, and like Bruce said, also, you know, if you've got a question about probate, well, I'm not a probate lawyer, but what I can tell you is that. If you go on the probate websites for most counties, they've got most forms. Probate courts, I'm just using it as an example, are extremely mm-hmm. user-friendly. Maybe we can save you some attorney's fees. So I'm yeah. delighted to try to guide people through, you know, sort of the minor legal problems of life. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about in this show. Yeah, as a matter of fact, we'll get to that in the second segment. But the first one I want to start with is the uh, one that I think probably everybody knows about. is the condo collapse in Surfside, Florida, down near Miami, at this point turned into just a, you know, they're demolishing what's left of the building. And But when I think about this story, I'll, it immediately goes to thinking about, okay, what's next? It's my understanding, and I've read, and it's only headlines, I've not read very deep into this, but there was already some questions about the, the building and the structure and was it in good shape? terrifying stories out of it so there's it seems like there could be a lot of uh, legal ramifications how do y'all see this yeah there's there's certainly some civil ramifications there may be criminal ramifications as well um the first part of all this comes down to the classic who knew what and when because right now yes there's a lot of sensational headlines but the real issue of you know what was known about this building and what should have been done based on that knowledge what was done what wasn't done all of that becomes part of the fact finding there was a class action filed by a Florida lawyer named Brad Sohn who's a friend of mine who I met through the NFL concussion litigation he and I both uh, represented a lot of players in the NFL concussion litigation back in 2012 or so. 
very good lawyer, and Brad quickly filed a class action suit against the condo association, condo board. My understanding is that the insurance company immediately ponied up the full limits of their policy without mm-hmm. any real argument mm-hmm. or discussion, and that Brad's firm, which is typical of the way he kind of conducts himself in his life, said, look, we're not taking any attorney's fees. We're just trying to make sure that the folks who are affected by this disaster can get their fair share of whatever money that there is available. Of course, they're going to keep going. They're going to keep looking because there's other potential liability out there, whether it's structural engineering firms that may have said, hey, this building passes inspection when it shouldn't have. Or if there are engineering firms that said, this building uh, is in imminent danger of falling and something needs to be done, but nothing was done. Like I said, the fact finding of who knew what and when is what's going to take place initially, but those wheels are certainly in motion. Well, in the law, there's also something called criminal negligence. It could be manslaughter. You could have folks who either maybe took a bribe or looked the other way in the inspections. It could be simple malpractice where the inspectors weren't properly trained or didn't properly document, photograph the what appears to be somewhat long-existing problems with the structure of the building. Didn't pass it up to their supervisors or it laid on somebody's desk for too long. You could have criminal ramifications. Now, I think that's probably jumping ahead. Right now, of course, everyone should focus on the, you know, the recovery of the victims, their families. As Bruce said, there's some compensation, not to be crass, but there's some funds out there to help people. Uh, Especially with the funeral expenses. I mean, there's a lot of things that, the, that and, these families are going to have to And there to. just wasn't enough insurance. I don't know yeah. how much it was. It, it just can't. It, it, it doesn't just, matter there's how no much number. Right. right. There's just no number that's enough. So right. I, if, if this had been Amazon headquarters or something like that, it might, might be have been enough. Story, right? Right. So I think you're looking at probably a, an eight-month to a year investigation. That would be my opinion before you really know what happens. And so it's not proper to accuse anybody of anything yet. It certainly seems that the inspections were done in a very haphazard way, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. choosing my words carefully. For all we know, they may have done been done perfectly well. doesn't make sense. I, you know, we read about these things in third world nations about buildings That's just right. suddenly collapsing. We don't hear about that that much here. No, uh, yeah. So for... In a relatively upper middle class community, I think people that had some money, this is not a, an old tenement building, you know, down on the Lower East Side of New York that was built in 1893. It's a relatively modern building as buildings go and, and should have withstood, you know, your typical wear and tear. The other thing that will come up here is whether there's any kind of liability against or whatever municipality was involved in this process of issuing permits, of doing inspections and that sort of thing. That's a much different case. You know, when you deal with cases against any government entity, you have issues of immunity that can prevent claims from going forward. And you get into these questions of was somebody just doing their job? In other words, there's a very strict set of rules that are here and this person is just following those rules? Or did somebody have discretion to say thumbs up or thumbs down? Or we do it this way or we do it that way? And that difference between a, a purely ministerial function of just doing your job versus doing a discretionary act is often the difference of you can't sue the government, hold them accountable for this, or you can. So a lot of that will come out. And, and realistically, as much as open records uh, requests can provide you with volumes of documents showing the correspondence on this, the the procedures that were followed or not followed. Until you really get into the discovery process in a lawsuit, you're just not going to know 
how this all worked out and, and whether there's any governmental liabil- liability. I'm sure that they're looking at that as an angle because from the standpoint of, you know, where you're going to find a potentially responsible party, number one, that number two can afford to pay the uh, for the harm that they caused. That's what they're going to be looking here. Yeah, they'll look at materials, but, you know, these are materials that were built into a building 40 years ago. There's not just a statute of limitations. People are familiar with that concept that you have a set amount of time within which you have to file a lawsuit. There's also something called a statute of repose, which means that there's a time limit no matter what as to how far back you can go on, on certain types of claims. And so for materials that were used in building a building 40 years ago, you're not going to have a claim against the manufacturer for defective products. But the government, you know, there's some, certainly something there. And if, if there was uh, a policy that should have said that, hey, look, given these findings, and we did an inspection and we came up with XYZ deficiencies, that this is not discretionary of you fix it or you don't. This is mandatory. This building needs to be evacuated, let's say. That's that's the response. And they didn't do it. That's the sort of thing that says, okay, in addition to whatever liability the folks have for inspecting and maintaining the building from the private side, the condo side, the, the city or government or state, whoever it is, has some additional responsibility. Yeah, and that's where your friend's lawsuit comes into play. Uh, they now have the subpoena power to subpoena records and documents. They have the deposition power to put people under oath and take depositions with a court reporter, where I think the real investigation would take place if the local district attorney empowers an investigative grand jury and starts issuing grand jury subpoenas. That's where you we really may find out. Now, the one thing I would slightly disagree with, Bruce, I, I agree about the materials and probably the construction, but you might have a defective design in the building. That's where you'd still have some engineering company out there that has says we're building a building for the next 100 years on the beach to withstand hurricanes and shifting sands and decay from humidity. And maybe that engineering company who may still be out there has a big policy. So there are some claims, I think, civilly that may that may stand yeah. at the tail of time. Could, could happen. I mean, there's there's still the same sort of limitations on actions, even for uh, defective design cases. It depends uh, what the promise was. Sure. And, and and we've got one now that we're looking at involving design of a, an intersection, not building design, but certainly traffic engineering. And so, I, in fact, I spent two days last week digging through design documents till, till uh, I was numb in the head. But, you know, we're just looking to see what's here. And, and of course, that's the sort of thing that the experts get involved in. And when you get experts involved, they're going to find a problem or they're not going to find a problem, kind of depending on which side of this equation. And here comes that word that we used in several shows earlier, foreseeability. In the design and manufacture of this building, the components used, the materials used, was it foreseeable that within, I don't know, 40 years of the construction of the building that these type of cracks would come through or not? And what were the guarantees made? And one thing that's interesting is apparently there's a sister building that Mm -hmm. was built at the same time with the same design team and construction team and probably the same materials too. And so you can kind of have a case study of, hey, look, this one fell, but we got this one still standing here right next to us. Yeah, what happened? We can maybe see what's what's. Or the other one's about to fall. Uh, How I mean, would you feel if you were I'm living gone, in that other building? I'm gone. Yeah, I'm grabbing <laughs> two two bags of stuff and I'm running. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'll rent it out though. Well, good, Anybody good, who's good luck, good <laughs> no, luck with no that. No deposit right? needed. Yeah, <laughs> you can even bring your pets. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. <laughs> but good luck with that. You know, trying to sell your condo in in the sister building, right? I mean, talk about sort of an unintended effect here. Yeah. Now, now suddenly your condo that was worth whatever is worth. Although I hear a New York, I hear New Yorkers are still bidding on Florida properties. Well, that's just part of the natural migratory path. <laughs> New Yorkers, you know, yeah. it's like Boca Call, 
Naples. What am yeah. I going to do? I was born in Miami Beach. Yeah. My parents, New Yorkers, yeah. were in Florida yeah. when I was born. It's just yeah. how we roll. My brother was born in Miami Beach. It's, it's the see? sixth borough. I'm yep. telling you, man, it's a, it's amazing. It's amazing to see that. You know, and New Yorkers still love New York, even if they live somewhere else. Like that's the that's people from all around the world come to New York to be New Yorkers. New Yorkers go around the world, and we're still New Yorkers. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's almost like like it being an American. Like if you go to Italy, you're not considered Italian, but if you come to America, you're considered an American. All right, when we come back on Your Day in Court, we're going to talk about some things that uh, you may need to know about small claims court or traffic court. Some of the things that you should know in case you get in the situation where you have to attend, or if it's small claims, maybe you're making a claim. We'll discuss that next on Your Day in Court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice here on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford, we are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Welcome back. It is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. My name is Tug Cowart. You're listening to Extra 106.3. So because this show is called Your Day in Court, we wanted to get into what that means and what is it that you're likely to end up in court doing most likely you're probably uh, I'm, I'm guessing you're probably like not someone who's an axe murderer and going to end up on some crazy trial that we'll see on cnn or fox news or somewhere oh, can i just interrupt yes if you are though please, <laughs> please call ray <laughs> please please um if you're well funded as yes, an axe murderer right. please call ray judice he's waiting for your call <laughs> do you guys remember that movie so i married an axe oh, yes. murderer oh yes <laughs> with mike myers. mike myers oh my gosh he's so funny anyway All right, sorry. yeah no i digress, I digress. yeah absolutely no but, but people do end up in court and it's funny because when I was making notes for the segment, I wrote down small claims court, I wrote down traffic court, and then I wrote down magistrate court. And I was like, well, hang on. I, I think I know what the first two are, but I didn't know what magistrate was. And then Ray just told me, hey, they're the same thing. I think a lot of people fall into that category where they don't know the different naming of particular courts because it changes. And some jurisdictions just yeah. call things different. Magistrates are magistrate judges who are assigned to both things like issuance of warrants in preliminary hearings and criminal cases, and they generally civil magistrates will sit on what we call small claims court of jurisdiction up to fifteen thousand dollars in in grievances between the parties. Yeah, but oftentimes people end up there. You were just talking about a friend of yours who had a fan that 
fell out of the ceiling. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, everybody has had some sort of a problem, some sort of a grievance that just doesn't warrant a full-blown lawsuit with a lawyer representing you and um, the going through the entire discovery process and certainly not a jury trial. And so the magistrate court, which is our small claims court, is intended to be the way that you can go and um, take a shot at getting this resolved, having a neutral third party that's a judge there to hear both sides, listen to whatever evidence you have, and make a decision. And it, and if nobody appeals from that decision, then it becomes binding on the parties. And so yesterday somebody called me. They had a problem with a contractor from uh, one of the major box stores. box stores that installed a ceiling fan, and th- they didn't do it properly, and the ceiling fan fell out. Nobody was hurt, thankfully. But, you know, he's, he's now – he can't get – redress here. He spent money on a ceiling fan and installation and is out that money. And so, you know, I told him, I said, look, it doesn't make sense for you to hire a lawyer to do this, but you can take your receipts. You can take your photographs of the damage and any other physical evidence you have, and you can file a very simple form. In fact, it's a fill in the blanks form in magistrate court that you just fill out. I think it's $90 or maybe $100 is the filing fee, which you can get back if you win under certain conditions. And you can show that to the judge. And say, here's what happened. And then the person who or company that you sue, they'll have an opportunity to explain themselves and say what they think happened. And the judge will hear it and and make a decision oftentimes right then and there. Now, of course, the judge will, before that case is even heard, the judge will encourage you to go out in the hallway, exchange information, and want you to talk about this and see if you can reach an agreement between yourselves. Mediate between the two of you. Yes, because if I, as judge, issue a decision, one of you is going to be unhappy. And I don't know which it's going to be, but one of you is going to be unhappy. If you reach a mutual agreement, maybe both of you are a little unhappy, but both of you will more than likely be happier to be able to put this behind you with a a deal that you agree to the terms on. And you don't have to sit around here oftentimes till 10 p.m. at night uh, waiting for your case to be heard. Yeah, I think that's the scenario that arises the most is a homeowner situation where you've either done something, you purchased something yourself and it doesn't work or it was broken and the store won't give you a refund. But more more increasingly, because everyone's home and we're trying to fix up our houses, either for resale or just because we're home so much, it's the small construction guy who you paid $5,000 to fix the deck. You gave him the five grand up front and you haven't heard from him in two months. Well, that could be a criminal case. Increasingly, law enforcement that has a lot to do during our crime spree here in Atlanta uh, is l- reluctant to arrest somebody for something like that unless there's a, a pattern or there's a weapon or threats involved. So more oftentimes, you will go to magistrate court, small claims court, fill out the one-page complaint. Generally, it's done in front of the clerk. You raise your right hand, say what I put in here is true, and you pay the filing fee and a service fee. The defendant is served with the lawsuit, and you get your day in court. There are some of the more busier courts that actually have mediators there that'll try to take you out in the hallway and see if you can adjust it. Bring your evidence. Yep, And bring your evidence, as Bruce says. You had an agreement. Was it in emails? Was it a contract? Bring that. How about some photographs? Bring that. Don't get to court. And the judge is trying to hear, finally hear your case. And, well, I left that at home, judge. Yeah. No, no, no. This is, your, this is your court date. Yeah. This, this is your day, your in, day court. in court. Right? Yeah, be prepared. So be it's prepared. At the yeah. same time, and I tell people the same thing, let's say you have 100 emails between yourself and the subcontractor. You don't don't show the judge 100. Judge ain't got time for no yeah. 100 emails, Just okay? Just get the five most poignant ones, and right? Maybe down to three. Or three. The deal and what happened, you know? And they, the judge is smart. They can figure out what happened in between the, the beginning and the end because it's all about the same story, <laughs> to right. be honest with you. 
not surprisingly, there are very often more than two sides to the story, but there's at least two sides. What is that, that right, wrong, and then the truth? Whatever falls in the middle? What's provable, you yeah. know? And, and so, yeah, the folks who come in there and have stories of, um, well, you know, he told my sister that uh, he was going to do this, and then my sister went and she got in touch with her cousin, and, the co- and uh, all right, yeah. where's your sister? Well, she's not here. Where is your cousin? She's not here. You know, it's like none of that stuff applies. I mean, there are still rules of evidence that apply in a small claims court situation. So things like hearsay, you don't have to be a lawyer, obviously. Most of the folks there are not lawyers who don't have representation, but there are still some basic rules and the judge will have to play umpire and sometimes keep that stuff out. You can't bring in some handwritten note from your witness, quote unquote, that's notarized by somebody at the bank in Oklahoma. That's not coming into evidence. Right. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, I would say that the rules of evidence are somewhat relaxed by most of the judges so that you know, we can find out if we're if I'm the judge. I, let me at least see if we can resolve this claim amongst the people or guide them to a way of resolution. Here's one that comes up frequently. Um, one person says, this other guy damaged my car. For whatever reason, there's no insurance involved. So, you know, he damaged my car. He should have to pay me for damage to my car. And I've got an estimate of what it's going to cost to repair the car. Well, that estimate, as much as, you know, you as the person who needs the money to repair your car, you're relying on it. The court's not going to rely on it because whoever prepared that estimate is not there to be cross-examined. Mm-hmm. And there's no way to know whether or not it's accurate or challenge the accuracy of the estimate. That's hearsay. And so, and so that's not coming in, as opposed to a, a distinction of this person damaged my car. I paid $1,200 to have it fixed. Here's the work that was done in that repair and the photographs of it. And here's my credit card receipt showing I paid it. Mm -hmm. That is evidence because it's not questionable hearsay. It's like... I, this is I proven. This, this is yeah. an action that actually it, happened. Now, I, as the car owner, will say all of this damage was caused by what that other driver did. I have to still say that you know, I'm not paying for repairs to stuff that happened when I backed into a parking meter. Um, but that's a difference between this is the estimate versus this is the reality of what I actually paid. I will say these magistrate court judges, some of them lack patience, but I can't blame them for it. Can't blame them. Um, the, the, the one thing I'll tell people, if, um, and especially when I was a younger lawyer and I'd go to court with them, I said, look, you got to pay me something, even, even whatever small amount it might be. I can't promise you you're going to get this money back, but typically what I can promise you is at the very least your case will get heard first. You know, mm-hmm. if you have a lawyer, yeah. a lot of times the judges will hear the attorney represented cases first, but not always. And, and particularly, I remember Cobb County Magistrate Court, a lot of these courts will start, there'll be evening courts because yeah, people are working, right? So we'll start at six o'clock. It's like, all right, if I'm going out to Cobb County, rush hour from downtown Atlanta, you know, i got to leave at 4 to make sure mm-hmm. I'm, I'm there. I don't want to be late. Now um, it's like, okay, at least if they take the attorney-represented cases first, I'll be out of there by 7, get home. I can still tuck the kids in for bed. No, Cobb County is like, we're just taking them in the order that they come up, and, and I don't care if you're represented or not. You could be here till 11 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I'm going to remind you again, go out in the hallway and talk to <laughs> the other side because yeah. maybe I'll want to settle this case. Because of that, we've sat through some really brutal presentations by uh, unrepresented folks on their case. And, and yes, some judges have patience. Some just like, look, I've heard enough. I'll give you three minutes, sum it up, and then you got to get out of here. But I do think, actually, that would be a rule of thumb. As they say in the South, get down to the nub as mm-hmm. quickly as you can. Mm-hmm. Get your documents in order. Have an extra set of documents for the judge, okay? So if you've got photographs, have an extra set of copies. You give them to the bailiff. The bailiff gives them to the judge. And if it's a document that you're opposing, your opponent has never seen they get to see that too so have a copy for them again just because you're 
pro se, meaning without a lawyer, the courts have rules. And magistrate judges, especially if they've got 50 cases, it needs to move along because not every case is a three-hour hearing. Is there a place just to go and have a checklist? This is not something that you would need a lawyer for, as you told your friend with the ceiling fan. But here's some things that you need to know, just a checklist. Is there a website that somebody could go visit, or can you just do a Google search for that and it would pop up easily? If you listen to this show, you just learned That's a whole right. Well, yeah, right, 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 absolutely. Go back and, and I don't mind for anybody out there, I'm sure I speak for Bruce. Call me. Yeah. I'll give you 15 oh. minutes of my time easily. First of all, I don't want the case because yeah. <laughs> it's not something we're going we're gonna to be able to, with efficiency and fairness and feeing, going to be able to handle for you. I'd rather guide you through it. So as Bruce said, you get to be heard in court, rightly or wrongly. The judge is going to rule. Let me give you a little primer on what to take with you, as we just did. It's yeah. not that hard, and I don't mind doing it. I think most lawyers would do that uh, on a phone call. Yeah, and, and you know we try to talk people through things like this all the time. I, you know, Look, I'm not a fan of some of the public sites like LegalZoom. Just right. We're not promoting their product or, or, oh, yeah, or right. you know, trashing their product. But LegalZoom is the sort of place where you could find tips on how, how to present yeah. your case in small claims court. Yeah. You know, it's probably good for certain things like that. If you're in need of a will, there are better ways to prepare a will. But if the choice is not having a will or having a will that I did myself by paying $99 on LegalZoom, you're better off with the LegalZoom will than you sure. are without one. For most people, certainly if you have anything that you're leaving behind at all, you're better off having a, a real professional prepare that sort of thing for you. And that's true across the board. If, if you are entering a contract for something and it's something of value, right? Home construction is a fine example. You're better off getting a real contract for that than what you're going to find in one of these generic legal sites for you know some flat fee. But they do serve a purpose, and, and this would be one of those purposes. And they work until they're contested. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm helping a client out on a, a contract matter where the contract that he and his business partner put together was really a, a paste and patch job where they went online and found various contracts and took a couple paragraphs here and a couple paragraphs there and, and it all worked while business was good and everybody was friendly but now that we're reading the contract or for, I'm doing it for one of the partners it's you know paragraph A and paragraph D are in direct conflict with each other right. they may have made sense in and of themselves when you read it and, and, and put it in but you got a mess. So, you know, even if you do that, bring it to a lawyer and pay a couple hours worth of our time, just like anything else. Uh, Bruce does a lot of bicycle riding. He's you know, almost a professional cyclist. <laughs> I bet you're pretty good at your Zen and bicycle maintenance. But every once in a while, you probably take it to the shop and have somebody who really knows what they're doing to repack the bearings or something no like d- that. No doubt. No, no, doubt. no doubt. Well, but I mean, if no, you no, need right. to get you your you car there's things a, you just can't do. There are plenty of things that even if you're good at something, there are professionals who can do it better. You know, Faster. when it comes to things like your safety or money or your freedom, you want to make sure that you have a professional that's That's involved with those things. You can pull out your own teeth. Moving on to like a traffic court, because I think a lot of people listening right now have probably been to traffic court. I know I have. Um, Traffic court's another thing that that seems like it could be really easy or it could get sideways really, really quick. Is that is that is that a good analysis of it? Because I, I, I do feel like it's pretty normal, but some sometimes it doesn't go as planned. That's absolutely true, and there can be some real unintended consequences. And certainly, to the extent that uh, any of our listeners are driving in the car as they're listening to this show right now, um, I've said this many times when it comes to people complaining to me about the conduct of bicyclists who, who don't obey things like traffic signals. I said, yes, you're 100% right. There are cyclists out there who sometimes, some of them don't obey the law. But every single driver of a car, every single time they drive the car, 
breaks a law. Mm-hmm. And and I defy you to show yeah. me one what, person whether it's who speeding or running through a yellow line and, and, or whatever. And, and I've said this to groups of police officers as as I've done training for police officers. It's like every one of us in this room broke the law driving here today. And and I'm including each one of you in this. Mm-hmm. And and I challenge you to say that I'm wrong. But so so inevitably um, if you're going to have a uh, a day in court, it oftentimes comes in traffic court. And that's um, something that you, you know for better or worse, you're well uh, you're well recommended to have a lawyer with you in that context. Well, most people don't know in the state of Georgia, a traffic citation is actually a violation of the criminal law. Uh, it's it's Georgia code. It's it's a crime. It could be punishable by jail time under some circumstances, fines up to a thousand dollars, probation, community service, driving school. Does that know? reflect in? In, in other states, too, or is Georgia unique? In some, some states have made their traffic violations more of a civil violation where it's just really the fines and the insurance issues rather than criminal punishment. But, uh, you know, a reckless driving is a misdemeanor. Uh, how can you be reckless driving? Well, you could be reckless, charged reckless if you're doing 95 and a 65. The officer may, instead of charging you with high speed, say, and you were reckless in doing so. So mm-hmm. that's a five points on your driving history violation and whether it's geico or travelers or you know hanover or whomever they're not going to be happy so get a lawyer at least consult with a lawyer before you go to traffic court to know that what are the ramifications of taking a plea so i see this in court all the time somebody's got a violation they're in a rush they don't they want to fight it and the judge says well we've got 173 cases today we're going in alphabetical order so mr you know R or S or T yeah, or U right. or V, get comfortable. We'll yeah. try to get you by lunch. Well, the prosecutor saddles up and says, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you plead a no-low to this and the $317 fine will get you out of here fast. They take it. They don't realize that the no-low still has impact on their driving history for insurance purposes. And three weeks later, they get a letter of cancellation. Well, the prosecutor and the judge, that's not their job they to tell you about, about your insurance ramifications. Some do in mm-hmm. sort of a a preamble, you know, you all should think about things. So consult with a lawyer. If you're going to fight a ticket, fight the ticket, bring your evidence. Most of the time what I hear in traffic court are people giving an excuse. Right. Well, I was doing 87 because I was boxed in between the two tractor trailers and I couldn't get out. And now nah, you're still doing 87. One of my lawyer friends uh, who's a real part-time comedian says my favorite <laughs> plea in the world. He said, you know, you go to, you go to traffic court and they should give you the option of you could plead guilty you could plead not guilty or guilty with an explanation and, and that's his favorite one like, so I, I know i'm guilty but i have an explanation as to Here's why, why. And, and he says those explanations are just priceless what happened was. And, and most of the time right, what happened you, was. yeah you're making it worse you're just that's making right. it worse right. uh there's almost no good reason for doing what you were doing uh if it was an emergency maybe if you're rushing your best friend to the hospital okay i think a judge would listen to that probably the officer would have would have listened to that at the scene uh and most of the time you're digging digging a hole for yourself and if a civil lawsuit comes out of that traffic violation so let's say you made an illegal left on yellow and you caused a wreck in the middle of the intersection and now bruce has got the injured party's case and they're filing a lawsuit against you and you went to traffic court to fight that ticket on your own and you put up this big story and a defense about bad breaks and i was eating a pastrami sandwich and the other party was speeding and that was recorded most sessions are recorded either on an equipment, you know, a tape recorder or by a court reporter. Mm-hmm. Well, you may have, number one, just made it worse for yourself because Bruce is going to get a hold of that. And Bruce may actually, or one of his good lawyers, be in the courtroom mm-hmm. with the victim, his client, 
who is a witness and some prosecutors will actually let you ask some questions. I've had yeah. that happen. Or you're certainly observing the soon-to-be defendant proceed, you know, and the insurance company doesn't send a lawyer there to traffic court. Now, I've always felt, and it's not my job to advise insurance companies. It's my job to take money from them. <laughs> that they, they, if they hired a passel of good young little lawyers to get in there and fight the traffic court hearings, they'd save themselves so much money. So in some the long of them run. do, and and actually, um, I know that there is like a consortium of trucking companies. The trucking companies that, that, that so much at risk. Yeah, that that they um, will contract with lawyers around the country. Sure. To go do traffic court representation for truck drivers when they get ticketed. Right. And and um, I had a friend when I just started out as a lawyer and I had an opportunity to do this sort of thing. And it was like, you know, this is 1991, right? So it was $50 per case or something like this. But we're going to send you a lot of cases. You're going to have a lot of traffic court cases. Fam. It's like, ah, you know, I, I think I'm not going to do that. But I know somebody who could because I had a friend who just got out of school, was looking for work. And, and, and it was perfect for him. And I remember meeting him for lunch. He goes, okay, I, I got to run to the bank, um, but let's do this. And he pulled out like an envelope filled with $50 checks uh, and one after another he's endorsing those things finally say hey guess what you're buying lunch <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> but, right. but it makes sense because yeah. let's take especially in the tractor trailer world that tractor trailer driver can't wait to get into court plead guilty pay his or her fine and get back on the road again that may not be in the best interest of the Acme Tractor Trailer Company, right. who's who may have a, a big case against them for the accident and injuries, because that guilty plea not only is a admission of violating the traffic law, but it's an admission of li- civil liability. Yes, those the guilty plea is something that if somebody pleads guilty to a traffic ticket, we can use that in our civil case as they're admitting that they're at fault for at least violating that law, whatever it is, failure to, to yield while turning left. You can use that as, as an admission. Um, the other issue with uh, tractor-trailer drivers is that, you know, they're driving all over the country. And so, you know, you got a guy from Montana who gets a speeding ticket coming through Georgia. Um, it's hard for that person to get back to Georgia to deal mm-hmm. with the ticket. So, you know, right. they need to be able to fight those things. And it's their livelihood to be able to um, keep those points off of their license. Um, you know, and the trucking companies want to say, hey, look, we need you getting from point A to point B as fast as you possibly can while not killing anybody along the way. And so we'll help you fight those tickets so you can keep driving really fast and deliver the goods because um, the faster you get there, the more uh, goods we can deliver, the more money we make. Right, because that's the, in, in their eyes, I guess that's just the cost of doing business. Yeah, and, and so is paying claims when people get hurt and killed. And it's uh, it's disappointing that, you know, they don't look at safety as necessarily the sure. foremost factor to consider. But, um, you know, it'd be interesting. Um, a big part of the self-driving car. I think technology thing, is going to change. Yeah, a, a big this. part yeah, of self well, well, first of all, technology is helping reduce the number of crashes. Things like even just the side mirror mm-hmm. warnings, you know, mm-hmm. it, it helps you when you're in a car. Absolutely does. But imagine in a, in a huge tractor trailer how much help you can get from something like that. But but the real push is to have self-driving tractor trailers. And can you imagine, right? I mean, it sounds so frightening, but, you know, a self-driving tractor trailer uh, isn't He's doing not meth fall at a truck stop. At the wheel, right? uh, isn't falling asleep at the wheel. Isn't, isn't violating his the terms of hours cell phone, or, right. or looking at porn on his cell phone as right. he's driving or God knows what, right? I mean, it, it, not the, that all truck drivers do that, but no, maybe no, some of them. No, no. But, you know, every one of those examples are from real life cases oh, that wow. we've handled. So, yeah. um, you know, and, and worse, by the mm-hmm. way. So, um, you know, the self-driving trucks never get tired, right? So, you know, if they can make it safe and, and unfortunately it's like, you know, you got to break a lot of eggs to make an omelet. I think it's yeah. going to be pretty horrific as un- until we get there, but, 
probably uh, not in our, uh, meaning me and Ray, not in our professional lifetimes, but certainly that of my son, who's a lawyer in my office, you know, I think this will become a reality that self-driving cars and tractor trailers will really change the landscape for um, personal injury and, and hopefully change it strictly for the better. But doesn't that, doesn't that, as a kid that's turning 16, can't wait to get your license driving a whatever old beater that you claimed, or if your dad's, you know, got enough money to get you a really nice one, that goes away with with autonomous driving right it it, it you, that part that piece of americana is gone and nobody's going to be under the hood of their 68 chevy with a timing light and gap mm-hmm. and spark plugs except for us old boomers that, yeah. are, that can't wait to buy a forty-seven thousand dollar classic car you know yeah. but <laughs> but i want to say one quick thing sure. uh, traffic court just like small claims court bring your evidence if you've got it if mm-hmm. it's an accident bring pictures of the of the of the cars uh, go to Google Earth or one of the applications, get a nice big picture of the intersection, blow it up, make an extra copy for the judge. Don't question the officer's integrity. If you disagree with the officer, ask the officer a question, but the judges are going to back up the officers as a general rule. Mm-hmm. The officers are trained. They don't really have any big reason to lie in traffic court. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's been my observation in 36 years. So, you know, have your P's and Q's, just as Bruce said earlier, is there a witness? Well, you can go to the clerk's office prior to the hearing and get a subpoena and serve it on the witness and give them the witness fee of $25, and the witness has to come to court. Uh, if you had passengers in your vehicle that are witnesses, bring them to court. Get down to the bottom line quick and bring whatever evidence you have, but don't quarrel with the court. Right, and the other thing that most people don't realize is that in virtually every traffic court, um, if you've received a citation, you'll have an opportunity to speak to the prosecutor beforehand. And so if you really have legitimate evidence to show that this citation should not have been issued and that you're not guilty, and you go and talk to that solicitor ahead of time about it, um, more often than not, if, if it's real, they'll work with you. They'll, they'll do something. It. It, it may be that they write it down to something that's a non-reporting violation of the uh, basic rules, something like this, or that they just tear it up and and you know null process and it goes away and if the if the solicitor or prosecutor says would you take the six hour 85 dollars you can do it virtually safe driving class and i'll dismiss the case Say yes. go ahead and do it <laughs> Say yes. it's good for everybody in yeah. fact if you think you've got that kind of situation go ahead and do the class before you go to court show that you have a, a clean driving history you can pull it up on dds.gov you know mm-hmm. the division of driver services Show the the prosecutor that you've had a 45-year clean driving record. Out of an abundance of caution to refresh your recollection of the driving rules, you took the six-hour class. You'll get some love out of that. You'll at least get a NOLO, which will save you the points. Mm -hmm. You might get a suspended fine. Or as Bruce says, okay, there's prosecutorial discretion, economy of justice. Judge, we've dismissed this case against Mr. Hagan. And, uh, you know, good luck, sir. Be safe. I mean, Mm -hmm. it happens. Yeah, absolutely. Great tips, great advice, and that's what you get for listening to your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. When we come back, Bruce brought out something that I want to get into, and that is biking. And there is a new law in Georgia when it comes to bikes and how they're treated on the road. So be ready. If you live in a neighborhood where there are a lot of bicyclists, make sure you understand this law. We'll tell you what it is next on your day in court here on Extra 106.3. 
The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save and save and win. When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs with Blue certified. Nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. This is your day in court with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice on Extra 106.3. Final segment of your day in court on Extra 106.3. My name is Tug Coward along with Bruce Hagan and Ray Judice. Bruce, you brought up something in the last segment when we were talking about small claims and traffic court, and you brought up uh, bicycling and the fact that you represent bicyclists a lot. You yourself you're an avid bicycle rider and there are uh, new laws that are in place in Georgia that maybe some folks don't know about. Yeah, as of July 1st, the law has been modified to clarify the conditions under which drivers of motor vehicles pass people on bicycles. Since 2011, I think it was, Georgia has uh, had a law in the books that said that when you're passing someone on a bicycle, you've got to leave at least three feet. That's a reasonably safe distance is how it's defined. Part of what I do beyond just representing injured bicyclists is I do a lot of training for law enforcement to teach them about laws as it relates to bicycling. Uh, I also do training for riding clubs and teach people how this is how you have to ride legally and responsibly and so forth. And in the course of doing the training, plus in the course of seeing, like we never saw citations issued for this violation of the three-foot law, come to realize that law enforcement officers in general just don't know how to enforce that law as it existed. It was very unclear to them. So the modification of the law was intended to make it more clear, easier for police to enforce to protect the safety of people who are riding bikes. So under the new law, which again, took effect as of July 1st, if you're passing somebody who's riding on a bike, if there is a lane next to you that you can safely change lanes and get into that lane, you're required to change lanes. It's a, a move over law, similar Almost to- Almost like, yeah, when a car's broken down or an emergency vehicle's on the side of the road. Exactly. And really it was kind of modeled after how you deal with sanitation trucks. If there's a lane that you can safely move into, you're required to move into that lane when passing. If you're unable to move into another lane safely, or there is no lane to move into, then you're required to slow down. And so this is in the exercise of due caution, which it says as approaching a bike, exercise due caution. But you're required to slow down to at least 10 miles under the speed limit or 25 miles per hour. And then when you pass the person on the bike to leave at least three feet, and it clarifies that you can cross a double yellow line or solid mm -hmm. white line if you need to to pass the person on the bike, as long as you can cross that line safely. Now here again, you could cross a double yellow line before this law was put into effect, but the concept was put it all in one place so that police officers understand how it works and can enforce this. The natural reaction of the loudest portion of the driving public is these damn cyclists, they break the law, why are they on the road? Why are they wearing spandex? Why are they <laughs> riding two abreast? The, you know? the spandex, I actually kind of maybe agree with a little <laughs> well, bit. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> I kid, um, I kid. But, but um, you, you know, the natural reaction is drivers of cars hate 
people who are riding bicycles. It's, it's just it's an because undeniable it fact. It holds up traffic and whatever. There's any number of reasons why, whether it's you know envy for the freedom that these folks have or just sheer annoyance that you know someone's taking 15 seconds out of your day because they want to be on a bike, whatever it is. And also people are annoyed by the lawlessness behavior that they see from some cyclists. I got to tell you, I don't know that I've ever seen lawlessness on a bicycle. No. Is there something that stands out? Because I don't know what that well, might let, be. Let's see if there's anybody in our studio who maybe can reflect the attitudes of the driving public. All right. Well, so here's the situation. <laughs> okay. Here we and go. listen, I, I was at one time a very avid cyclist. I did a bunch of century rides, the Macon to Mercy. You know, I mean, I've done them. And I, and a century, I love a century, century rides, rides 100, 100 miles. miles. I have a yeah. Cannondale bike with Shimano gears and a special hand, Cellini handlebar. So I did. I wore it a spandex and I got the shoes that you clip in. But here's the problem. Our roads are a disaster in Metro Atlanta to begin with, okay? There's construction everywhere. There's people with out-of-state license plates from Tennessee and South Carolina, and they've got the look of fear on their eyes when they come through the 285 and 400, and they freeze up, and we've got Winnebago's going to Florida and construction trucks dropping ladders. I don't need another problem. Okay, (laughs) it's all I can do is to keep my car between the lanes safely without hurting anybody else. In all seriousness, what I'm upset about is that if I make a mistake and run into your Jeep, I'm probably going to do some property damage and you're going to have some whiplash. Mm -hmm. If I make a mistake and hit you, I could really kill a bunch of cyclists like has happened in many places in the country. And there's no place for you to go because the lanes are so narrow and the curbs. So that's where I come from. It's like, geez, like I don't have enough problems. I've got, you know, 10 guys in spandex weaving around. And I will say most cyclists that I see are obeying the rules as they exist. I think there's more crazier motorcycle riders at this young people on these racing bikes than there are crazy bicycle riders. Yeah. And, you know, where you've relocated up to North Fulton County, there's a lot of folks who ride bikes up there. So by the you'll, you'll see All over it. the place. And, and it's great. Look, I ride up there myself. And so, you know, the fact is the roads are for everybody. They're not just for riders. And Ray brings up a great point, which is that essentially it's a lack of political will to build safe infrastructure where people can ride. And the safest is where you're going to have a, a real divider. An bicycle lane. I, I don't even mean a stripe of paint. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. talking about this is the space here we're going to allocate for folks who want to ride bikes. This is the space we're going to allocate for folks who want to drive cars, and never the two shall meet. And that's the best and safest way to do it. But in the absence of that, and, you know, those things cost money. And, you know, look, this came up on Peachtree Street in Buckhead a few years back where folks say, hey, we want to make Peachtree Street friendlier for folks to be able to walk, number one. And why wouldn't we make it an active corridor where folks can ride bikes so that if you're going to do that half mile or mile trip to go get ice cream or run up to the store to get one thing, you don't have to get in your car to do it. You can just ride your bike and do it safely. And to do that, we're going to do something called a road diet. We're going to shrink the number of car lanes to make room for pedestrians and bicyclists. And you would have thought, you know, they said... We're coming for your homes. You know, the government is coming and, <laughs> and we're coming for your guns and we're coming for your property because the outcry was, we don't want to narrow the lanes. We want to widen the lanes. We want a racetrack up and down Peachtree Street. Give me the ability to shave 30 seconds out of my day as a carpool mom and I'll do anything for that because if you are holding me up by 30 seconds, all hell breaks loose, you know? And, and so there's just not the political will to create this safe infrastructure, which is really the way to do it. And so in the absence of that, what it comes down to is we're sharing the roads and 
mm-hmm. everybody has a right to be in those roads. And yes, I agree with you, Ray, and I, I discourage anybody from riding their bike down 285 or I Is that even legal? Can you it's do not that? legal. That, that is not legal. And, you know, occasionally you see somebody who is clearly in the wrong place. Usually they, they are sleeping under an interstate if they're in a, with a bike over there. And so that's not legal. But mm-hmm. when you're on a regular highway, even some of the roads like Buford Highway, you know, Buford Highway is a fast track, um, but folks may be out there on bikes. And so you just got to be mindful of it. Yeah. I mean, it's just, we're just not built for it. A take right here in North Fulton or we're in Cobb at North Fulton where I live, Riverside Drive, which runs along the Chattahoochee River. It is one lane in each direction. It is extremely popular with cyclists. Cyclists are on the far shoulder of the road. There's a little painted line and maybe a foot to a foot and a half on the other, to the right of that yellow line. And what drivers do, and it's heavily monitored, by the way, by the Roswell police. They're out there all the time. And there's signs that say 25 miles an hour. But when drivers in either direction come upon the cyclists, they are crossing the center lane into the head-on traffic to now make sure there's at least that amount of feet away from the cyclists. So now I've seen a cyclist 100 yards up, and I've got a, a three-ton Lexus Q90 you know, coming at me in my lane yeah. to get around safely around the cyclists. So if you're causing more danger than your exercise is worth to me, it doesn't make me happy. Well, so that's an example where the law allows you to do that. What you described is legal behavior by a driver, as long as you're not doing it when there's a car coming at you yep. and, it's, and it's more dangerous. And in that context, just slow down, just wait. You know, I mean, honestly, the, well, the, the 15 to 30 <laughs> seconds that's gonna come out of your day, you know, not to put people in danger, you know, and, and it's easy to marginalize somebody, again, in spandex, on this little piece of aluminum, seemingly just out there for their own convenience, exercising, and, and your inconvenience. It's easy to marginalize and dehumanize somebody. No, I didn't go that far. I know, but I'm not saying you, but it is. Okay. As opposed to, like, that's not a person. That's just some, something that's in my way. It's an obstruction, you know, and, and that obstruction doesn't need to be there. Um, but when you step back and realize, okay, that person has as much right to be here as I do. That is a human being. That's somebody who left their house this morning with the same hopes of returning home safely that I have in my car, you know, and then we realize that, okay, there are thousands. I mean, the number of traffic fatalities, we had 16 people killed on Atlanta roads in cars just over the last holiday weekend, you know, thousands and thousands of people getting killed in cars due to distraction and impatience primarily. Um, You know, how hard is it to just slow down? But, but the situation you're describing is a situation where, yes, you can legally do that and, and make a safe pass and cross a double yellow line, just not when another car is coming. And if another car is coming, then just wait. Well, it's a situation where it's high density traffic. There's people trying to get to work. There's people trying to get their kids to school. There's people changing the station on the radio or maybe, God forbid, fiddling with their cell phone. And all of these things are truisms and they are not going to stop tomorrow because we've passed a new pullover law. They're just not going to. And I do agree with you, Bruce. And I've been to Europe and I know about the bicycle lanes. And, you know, I'm, in fact, I, I'm a Tour de France guy. I love watching it. Of course, I'm nut with a sign knocked out half of the yeah, Peloton that. last Crazy. week, which is insane. Well, she wanted to get on Instagram. Yeah, everyone wants to make a TikTok <laughs> at the expense of... <laughs> nice right. work. You right. did it. But you can also see how easy it is to cause harm to a bunch of professional cyclists, mm-hmm. okay? A cardboard sign wiped out about 30 guys, and I, I don't know if anybody was seriously hurt. They're all banged up a little bit. So, again, from my standpoint, as somebody who tries to obey the traffic laws and doesn't ever want to hurt anybody and but does have to get to work and does have and, or, and has other things going on, uh, the sun in my eyes and somebody riding my bumper through that area because everyone wants to go faster, 
it's a concern to me. It really is. And I think that, you know, we may have some some in-town environments that are safer because you have less vehicles traveling at low and they're traveling at lower speeds than you do out here in the burbs. We have more vehicles, larger vehicles traveling at, yep. at higher speeds. City of Atlanta just lowered the speed limit on all city of Atlanta streets to 25 miles an hour. Uh, and it's largely um, to try to increase safety for bicycles and pedestrians. And the mm-hmm. City of Atlanta is doing a lot to try to encourage folks to get around without being in the car. And, and, and this is going to happen in other areas as well because folks just they're fed up with the car centric lifestyle of having to always get in the car just to do the most basic things. So, um, but yeah, you know, we're, we're not there yet and it's going to require a certain degree of understanding on the part of the driving public. And until that happens, uh, and if you are a listener who has the same level of animosity as I read on every Facebook page and uh, Twitter page dealing with these issues. <laughs> the only thing I can tell you is maintain a lot of insurance because you're going to need it when you hurt one Over-insure. of my clients. And uh, maintain a lot of money uh, cash on hand because you're going to need it to pay Ray when you get charged. And with don't make statements homicide. about I'm going to do something to one of these cyclists one day because, because then they'll, they'll be, be taking your oh, house. That's, yeah. Now, now you may be moving right. towards punitive damages, perhaps intent. Uh, so, so, you know, lower the rhetoric. If you're going to have a discussion about this, then go to the public meetings, go to the forums that Bruce and his firm sponsor, where there's information given about cycling laws and what what are what what rules we should all obey. And Bruce, I know when you and I are retired down at the villages, we're going to have that three wheel bike with the <laughs> antenna and a tennis ball or a flag on it and a bell. And we're going to up golf oh, cart for me. But we're <laughs> going to obey the dang <laughs> traffic. You're, you're absolutely right. There you absolutely go. Right. Uh, I did read something interesting about uh, about that community it has one of the highest percentages of, of venereal STDs. diseases. <laughs> I've read that too. Okay, they get down there, they have a couple drinks, and they're man, like, there's some swinging going on, <laughs> 75 plus. Oh, man, I think look for uh, the Judice Law Office's <laughs> Villages Outpost coming soon. That's right. America's friendliest hometown. If folks can uh, need your help, need to get a hold of you, Ray, how do they do that? Give me a call, 404-964-4185. Text me at that number. Contact me at the office. My answering service or staff will chase me down. Just like Bruce, I took calls over the weekend. I've always found that 10 or 15 minutes on a Sunday, while you know, sometimes you don't want to, but you can keep a, a small fire from turning into a four-alarm fire, or you can just give a client something to calm down. We got that document. It's all going to be good. We're open on Monday. Come on by. I mean, it's just worth it to me. Yeah, I, I agree. And uh, 404-522-7553, hagen-law.com, H-A-G-E-N-law.com. Uh, and we're always here to help. And um, while we handle personal injury cases, we certainly can point you in the right direction, just like Ray can, whatever your needs are. Think of us as your family lawyer, just like you have a family doctor. Start here first. There you go. Bruce Hagen, Ray Judice. This is your day in court on Extra 106.3. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win.
When you buy a used car, don't be taken for a ride. Get Ford Blue Advantage certified at Wade Ford, Atlanta's headquarters for factory certified pre-owned vehicles. Go to wadeford.com. There you'll find a great selection of Ford Blue Advantage certified used cars, trucks, and SUVs. With Blue certified, nearly all makes and all models are in stock now. You'll find something perfect for just about any budget. Buy with confidence at the Wade Ford factory certified used car outlet at wadeford.com. Wade Ford. We are Atlanta's Ford dealer. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.